Thank you for joining us today for the ministry of the word at Foundation Church. We pray that what you hear today will be as much of a blessing for you as it was for the people of our congregation. Well, greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our King. It is a wonderful privilege to gather in the house of the Lord again to lift up the mighty name of Jesus, the name above every name. Amen. It's good to see uh, Joel and his uh, family here with us. I'm sure the Narwhals are pretty happy that big old gender reveal video was a hit. Did it go viral among the people of Foundation Church? Yeah, praise God for answered prayer. I'm sure they would be giving thanks were there blue glitter or pink, but I know there was a, there was a request from the Lord for uh, for Caitlin and Josh to have a little girl, and it seems the Lord has smiled upon them. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, God uh, brings about all of the things in our life that come to pass. We are not living in an arbitrary way, reacting to just whatever happens out there and trying to figure it out. God has a purpose and a plan and a goal that he is driving each of our lives toward. This is why when we encounter whatever we encounter in life, we know that we may not understand exactly how it's all going to work out or why God chose to do things the way he chose to do them, but we do believe the scripture teaches that he is doing that. Amen? Amen. My sermon today is going to be called Promotion is from the Lord. And so we're going to be talking about how God does what he does. In Psalm 75, it says, Unto thee, O God, do we give thanks. Unto thee do we give thanks for that thy name is near, thy wondrous works declare. When I shall receive the congregation, I will judge uprightly. The earth and all the inhabitants thereof will be dissolved. I will bear up the pillars of it. I said unto fools, do not deal foolishly. And to the wicked, lift not up thy horn. Lift not up your horn on high and speak not with a stiff neck for promotion. Everybody say for promotion. For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and he sets up another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup and the wine is red and it is a full mixture and he pours out of the same. But the dregs thereof all the wicked of the earth shall wring them out and drink them. But I will declare forever, I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked shall be cut off and the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that our lives are in your capable hands. That you who is the author is also the finisher of our faith. That you that began the good work in us is able to complete it that you are telling a story, weaving a tapestry, creating a place for each and every one of us, we who are the building blocks, Lord, of your glorious church. Help us today to lift up your name, wash us from our sins, draw us into uh, a, a life of righteousness and holiness that our good works may glorify our Father, which is in heaven. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.
remain standing for just a little bit. I'm going to read for you from Psalm 113. My sermon, as I told you before, is called Promotion is from the Lord. I'm going to read verses 5 through 8 of Psalm 113. And of course, I'll be preaching the entire psalm. Psalm 113, starting in verse 5, says this, Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwells on high? Who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in the heaven and in the earth? He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and he lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, that they may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that promotion is of the Lord. We thank you that you have us securely in the palm of your hand and nothing can take us out. We thank you, Lord, that you are not just letting us live our lives, uh, spending the time that we have here, spinning our wheels, but that we are indeed engaged in the saving of the world. And I pray, Lord God, that you would use us, Lord, in any way that you see fit, Lord. Use us, Lord, to accomplish your will. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said, you may be seated. Every one of us here gathered together has a place. Uh, it, it may be near the top somewhere in the middle or even at the bottom. In fact, most of us occupy several places often at differing levels, right? You might not think about it, but every group or society or family or church or even in your career has positions and levels of seniority and responsibility, right? How many know what I'm talking about? Everybody's got this. It's not something that's like, you know, maybe the most important thing that you think of all the time, but it's true. Uh, you might be a child in someone's home, but there are even levels there. Uh, the oldest son, right, Nathaniel? That's a, does anyone hold this title but you in our family? No, the oldest son, right? Uh, the oldest daughter, uh, Elizabeth lets it be known. She is the oldest daughter in our house, right? That can be a premium spot, right? But the baby of the family, right, Liam? Uh, you know, that's got some, he's got some perks too, right? You might find yourself stuck somewhere in the middle going, hey, I'm not the baby. I'm not the oldest. Uh, you know, I got to get a little attention here somehow doing something. You might be right there. It's often an unofficial, and some say maybe even unethical, but there is another position in a family of siblings called the favorite. How many of you have favorites? You could point out your favorite child right now uh, if you want to, uh, if you want to cause pandemonium to break out. Um, but there's this favorite child thing, you know, um, it's a very coveted post some aspire to. Now, I don't think it would be wrong to want that, but I don't know that parents should pick favorites. Uh, right, Rachel? Right, uh, Hannah? Right? I'm seeing Hannah over there going, that's right. That's right. It should be favorites, right? You might be a single man or a woman here, and you're looking up in hope that you'll one day be promoted to be a husband. I was telling Jonathan, I remembered when I met him, he was a single man and he 
was like, I really want to be married. And he was looking forward to his promotion. But it wasn't long after God promoted him to be husband versus single dude who doesn't know what he's doing in life, right? Next thing you know, he's looking for a new promotion. He's ambitious. I want to be a father. Is God going to let me be a father? Well, what, what did it, how did it turn out, Jonathan? You know, now they're filling up your home, trashing your yard, uh, occupying your nights. Oftentimes, Jonathan will send me pictures or videos of his kids and they're uh, quoting the scriptures. My, I, I hope it's not too embarrassing, but the last one from William was just a little bit too much for me. I was kind of laughing. Uh, William, how old is William? He's four years old. He's laying on his bed and I'm thinking, you know, poor William, you know, his dad's terrorizing him. It's bedtime. And William's going, you know, he's quoting the scripture and he's rolling all over his bed. And, and he, but he's doing it. He's doing it. He, he quoted the scripture. He was doing, he was doing an awesome job. And so, you know, you might, some of you, when you were only a wife, I remember Ashley wondering, and she would say, you know, I don't know. I don't know what God is going to do. All right. But, but I really, really pray that I get to be a mother. I remember when praying to be a wife was like, if I could just be a wife, that'd be enough. Right. But, but once you become a wife, what do you want to be? I, I want to be a mother, you know, and Caitlin was a mother, but she was just a mother to sons, but soon she'll be the mother of a daughter and she'll get to put, you know, little fun things in their hair and all that and hear them scream. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to that promotion coming to you guys. Those of you who have leveled up into motherhood know this is quite a step, right? It's quite a promotion from being uh, just a wife to becoming a wife and a mother. Some of us fathers here uh, are looking forward to being promoted to being grandfathers. I was trying to think of what promotion I could want in, in, my, in my mind and in my heart. I, I, I don't really aspire to anything. And I'm like, oh, well, hey, I guess I do. I want to be a grandfather. In fact, I'd like to be a great grandfather one day. I was at a funeral uh, yesterday and, or was it yesterday? Friday. And uh, we were there and this man has 15 grandchildren and six great grandchildren and they were all there and they all served the Lord and I'm thinking, I want to be a grandpa. I want that so much. You know, there are no, no doubt many of us here today praying for a promotion of one sort or another. Maybe it's through work or whatever. I don't know. But God wants to remind us today that promotion is from the Lord. And I've said this two or three times, but say it again. Promotion is from the Lord. This is a core message taught in the scripture, and it is the central theme, I believe, of Psalm 113. And it's a very short psalm, but it is about this very subject. And it made me want to consider the story of Joseph. Joseph, um, the son of Jacob, and Rachel, as found in the book of Genesis, uh, covers many, many chapters. It starts in chapter 37, and then there is a little break, and then there's a big, long passage uh, of several chapters long talking about the story of the life 
of Joseph. It offers us a clear narrative on this doctrine and some insight into how God promoted one of his servants for our edification and not to be forgotten or understated also to go ahead and save the world. I mean, you know, so this is how God promoted one of his servants so we can see how it happens, but he also was saving the world at the same time. Now you might find it hard to conceive or believe, but do you know God is doing the same thing through you, Jonathan. He's going to save the world through the likes of you. This is his plan for each and every one of his children, and because of that, in, in one sense, we are all his favorites. You know, you might be wondering if you can be the favorite in your home, but you know, you can be God's favorite. He favors all of us. In Genesis 37, you can read how Joseph was the 11th born son of Jacob and God had changed, remember Jacob, who God changed his name to Israel. So Joseph was one of the children of Israel, literally, not just that he was a part of the whole nation. He was a child of the man God called Israel. Joseph was way down at the bottom of uh, the, the, the peck list here in that he was the 11th born son, but he was on another list at the very top, if you recall. He was the firstborn son of Rachel. Rachel was Jacob's beloved first choice. And what's funny is I began to read the story, I began to see it as levels. Rachel was Joseph's, or was uh, Jacob's first choice, right? But she wasn't his first wife, she was his second wife. Now that really wasn't up to uh, Jacob. He was deceived by the father and, you know, woke up the next morning and found out, oh my goodness, I'm with Leah, not Rachel, right? But now Joseph was Jacob's favorite among his children. It tells us this in Genesis 37.3. I think it's interesting that God includes something like this right in the story. Like, you know, you're hearing the story about the great patriarchs, about, you know, great floods that destroyed the world and all these things. But in the midst of this story, God says, you know, uh, Jacob had a favorite son and his name was Joseph. Isn't that kind of funny that God throws out this piece of information? We don't hear uh, about anybody else that I know of being the favorite son of anybody in the Bible, but God puts this here. And I believe through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, him being the favorite son of his father is very significant. Now this was good in one sense, but not so good in another. You know, being daddy's favorite is not likely to make you a favorite brother. You may be mom and dad's favorite, but you will not be the favorite brother or the favorite sister because the brothers and sisters will all envy you and hate you, you know, if, you know, every time we turn around, mom and dad are doing for this. You know, we had a favorite at my house and my mom is gone, so I, I don't want to be too hard on my mom, but there was no competing with the favorite at my house. It wasn't me and it wasn't my sister. It was my brother. My brother, Paul, could order whatever he wanted. If, if we ate food and my mother cooked, if my brother didn't like it, guess what she would do? She would make him something else. And you might go, well, we do that at our house. Well, I hopefully, hopefully you don't do it for one kid all the time because it really kind of got, was a little wearisome, you know, and, and everything that happened in his life, my brother was always picked as the favorite 
he was always treated differently. Now, I didn't hate my brother, but, um, uh, you know, I can see why, how that could happen, okay? Jacob had made this well known to all of his other kids. Could you imagine having 12 sons and treating one of them better than the other and letting them know and saying, you know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to make a special, beautiful, mini-colored coat just for my favorite son, little old Joseph. And so as a teenage boy, he gets this favorite, beautiful coat from his dad. You know, God's kindness to us often fuels hatred of others. Do you know this? You might not understand this. When God is kind to us, it bothers people. They're jealous. They look at what God does and he, God does good things in our life and he blesses us and he takes care of us. And, and, and the people that don't know God, they can see this and they hate it. You might wonder why they hate you. They hate you, Christina, because God finds you a favorite. He's blessing you. He's good to you. He's kind to you. He's giving you wonderful things. And they see it and it really, really bothers them. They go, look at my life. My life's terrible. My life's a mess. My life is this. And nothing ever good happens to me. But look, all the good stuff keeps happening to her. And they hate you for it. Not only did his father show this noticeably, but God did too. He sent Joseph dreams with special meanings about who he was and what God had planned for him. Once again, his earthly father was kind to him and it made his brothers do what? Hate him. And so now his heavenly father favors him as well and he sends him a dream. And what do you think the dream's gonna do? Make his brothers and sisters, is gonna, they're gonna be so impressed, right, Amy? So impressed, so happy. Oh, we're so happy for you. Oh, God's talking to you, Titus. We're so happy for you. Well, is you not talking to me? This is the way people are. People look and they compare themselves. And when good things happen to people, it makes other people very angry because they believe good should be happening to them. Joseph's dreams had special meanings about who he was and what God had planned for his life. And his brothers, of course, hated him for that too. Feeling certain his first dream was from God, he eagerly shared it. Oftentimes when God is good to me uh, and he does something good, I like to go and tell everybody, do you know what God did for me? And I've always been surprised that when I tell people what God did for me, I can always see sometimes in the back of their minds and in their expression a something a little dark, and I always wondered what that was. It's called jealousy. It's envy. People, oh, so God, so, oh, so he talks to you, huh? He does good things for you, does he? Really? And because they aren't having the same experience, it makes them envy you and makes them hate you. And you go, now, Mark, this isn't very positive. Well, this is what God does. If God's going to be good to you, that means, and he's going to treat you in a special way, that means that there are others that aren't going to be treated like that at all. So how do you think the brothers responded? Everybody say, they hated him. He was firstborn to his mother, favorite to his father, trusted by God with a prophetic dream. But he was demoted in the eyes 
of his brothers, and he was hated by them. They hated him for his earthly father's favor, and now it said, quote, they hated him yet more for his dreams and his words. I mean, you would have thought, right, Liz? You would have thought, I mean, come on. If God's given him dreams and they're special dreams, he must be special. Maybe we should recognize that too. This is often how it goes. Promotion from God, favor from God, trust from God will get you in trouble with people. Telling others about what God has shown you in your heart and what he is doing for you will also make people not like you. Now, they're not the kind of people you need to worry about, but they are the kind of people that will try to kill you. There was a man who came who had a special relationship with his father who God did special things for and it made people so mad they killed him. You might know about that guy. His name was Jesus. So my question for you today, are you ready for a promotion? Anybody ready for a promotion? Just so you know, God's promotions don't go in the way that we think. You see, Joseph was favored of his son. Joseph was firstborn of his mother. Joseph was favored of God. And when it came time for his next promotion, his promotion did not go the direction maybe he was hoping it would go. Which way does it go? Do you guys remember what happens in his life? His promotion goes this way. You go, now, wait a minute, that's not good. Well, if you know anything about the stock market, sometimes the stock market, the stock market is, it, it, it goes this way, right? And yes, it goes up, but sometimes it does what? Sometimes it goes down. But in the end, where does it always go, guys? It always goes up. It just keeps going up, at least on the grid that we're on. Because God says what he's doing in our life has a purpose and has an end. There's always going to be more value in us. We're always getting closer to uh, God and closer to uh, achieving his will. Our graph, although it goes up, sometimes it goes down before it does what? Before it goes back up again. You might be in a downturn. You might be at a peak and you may think, I know which way it's going. It's just going to keep going up. But you may find out that your life's more like Joseph's. Matthew chapter 5 verses 11 and 12 said, blessed are you when men revile you. This does not seem like a blessing, does it, Jonathan? Blessed are you when men revile you. How many of you want to be reviled? Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. What did they do to Joseph? They did it to him. What was he doing? He was only telling them what God had said. So what did God do? Did God apologize to Joseph for giving him the dream? No, you guys remember this dream, right? He's out there reaping with his brothers in the field and they're bringing in wheat and they're bringing in barley and they're putting it and he goes, you know what happened? He, he's telling his brothers, this is an amazing thing. My sheep stood up and all of your sheep came and bowed down to my sheaf. And you might go, now, come on. I think Joseph was a little bit naive here because if you were Joseph's brother, would you want to hear that you were one day going to be bound down to him? Val, how would you, how would you, if uh, Gideon came and told you he had a dream that one day you were going to bow down to him, would you, would you like that? Would you be like, oh, that'd be great. I can't wait. Yeah, I know how that would go. You'd probably hit him in the head with a stick. 
But did God apologize to Joseph? Did he tell him to keep his mouth shut? Did he tell him that what he had showed him wasn't true? Everybody say, no, that's not what God did. No. You know what he did? He gave him another dream. In the same way that God later gives Pharaoh two dreams, who does he give two dreams to? He gives them to Joseph. In fact, this moment in time is where Joseph learned to understand dreams. God was preparing him. He didn't know. He didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but he saw a dream and he saw a second dream. Sounds like what we just heard in the book of Genesis about Pharaoh. Pharaoh has a dream and then he has another dream. What did, remember what Joseph said? He said, those dreams are one dream. Where did he learn that? How did he learn that? He learned it right here. This time, the dream was even more clear. You guys remember the second dream? The sun, the moon, the 11 stars of heaven, they all bowed down to Joseph's star. He told his dreams to his brother again. They didn't seem to like it. Sooner he did, he told it to his dad because he's his favorite, of course. Dad's going to like my dream. Does, does his dad even like his dream? Dad doesn't like his dream. No. His father rebukes him. And he says, what, are you thinking mom and dad are going to bow down to you too? And I don't know that Joseph was thinking anything. He was just telling people what God had showed him. His brothers hated him even more with envy, it says, than they had before. It says that this hatred would be Joseph's demise. You see, when you hate people, you want to kill them. That's what hatred is. Hatred is the beginnings of murder. So all the boys except Joseph were with their father, or most of them. They were, they, were, they were out there working with their sheep, and so Jacob sent Joseph to go check on them, and they saw him coming. They saw this coat. Can you imagine this scene? This is a scene that God orchestrated for us. This man, he's favored, he's naive, he's been given dreams, he's wearing a special coat, and he's coming out, hey! brothers he's coming how y'all doing out here and he's too stupid to know that they can see him in his pretty coat coming a long way off and they are like you know what let's kill this man here comes the dreamer they said he wasn't their brother anymore he was just a dreamer his dreams made them very angry and they decided they would kill him when he arrived a plan to tell their father had, that he'd been eaten by a wild beast was hatched and we'll see what becomes of his dreams, they say in Genesis 37, 20. But the firstborn son of Jacob, Reuben, talked them all out of killing him and instead throwing him into a pit in the wilderness to teach him a lesson. They ripped off his coat, they roughed him up a bit and they threw him in this dark pit. This must have been very scary. Imagine being in the middle of the wilderness and being thrown in a pit after having been beaten up and having your clothes taken off of you. He must have been crying out for some time. He must, this was not a five minute ordeal. This may have been an all night or maybe a several day ordeal. He's crying out. And he must have happened uh, for some period of time because Reuben, the oldest born, the, the firstborn son, leaves and he's gone. And uh, when he comes back, what happened? You guys remember before he comes back, they all gather and they sell him to a band of Ishmaelites into slavery because they hated him so much. They didn't just want to waste his death 
and leave him out there, they thought, we'll make a little bit of money. I mean, I'm telling you right now, I can imagine being a brother like that and going, they, they hate me so bad. They're, they don't even want to kill me. They want to earn money off of me as I live in slavery the rest of my life. Folks, this is rough stuff, what they did to this young man. 17 years old, filled. Apparently he was a good boy. He was a man who loved the Lord. He was a man God trusted to speak his words to. And guess what? Now he's in a pit and now he's been sold into slavery. But everybody say God was with him. While in slavery in Potiphar's house, what does he do? Does he cry and moan and say my life is misery and woe and my brothers hated me? No, you know what the Bible says? He decided that he would work. The Bible says when we work, we work heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men. And I believe that in that time that he had the hope of the dreams of what God had given him, that something was going to change. And so he worked. But as God blessed everything he did and he, he thought it was all working out, you know, this is going to work out good. Do you guys know how long this was? You know, when I read this story, sometimes when I was telling it to my kids, I'm like, I want, how long did this go on? He is a slave for 13 years. How many want that kind of promotion? No, we don't. But while he was there, everybody loves Joseph, including Potiphar's wife. And we talked about this Thursday night, how Potiphar's wife wanted him and she grabbed a hold of him and was hoping that they would have a makeout session. And Joseph is like, absolutely not. I belong to the Lord. I'm not going to be a part of this. And he runs and he even leaves his coat behind. It's the second time he lost his coat, right? But what happens next? It doesn't tell us, but apparently they got him and they put him on trial or they did something. And now he's a prisoner. I mean, if things are not going well, Jesse. It's not really what he had hoped. This was not, he had seen a vision and a picture of everyone bowing down to him and all these good things happening to him and he didn't understand, but it's, it's very much like the apostle Paul. Do you remember what he says in Philippians? He said, you know what, what he's learned? He's learned in whatsoever state he is there with to be content, right? I've learned how to be abased. I've learned how to abound. I've learned that what God is going to do in my life, he can do through my death. He can do through my life. I belong to him. And whatever he wants to do in my life, he can do it. The apostle Paul, remember, was thrown in prison in Philippi and beaten and treated like trash. And he was done so because it got him closer to the man that he was coming to bring salvation to the Philippian jailer. And what was happening was God had a root in the life of Joseph that was getting him closer and closer and closer to Pharaoh. And you know what ends up happening in the story, if you've heard the story before. God's promotions can seem like demotions sometimes. But God calls us to keep holding on to his promises. I'm sure this is what kept Joseph working faithfully as a slave. And if you read the story, it's many chapters long. He's not only uh, good at being a slave, he's good at being a prisoner. I was telling the story to my kids. They're like, well, what is there to do in prison that he's working at? You might even go, what is there to do right now in my life? What, is there, what am I doing? What's the big deal? What can be done? There's even good you can do as a prisoner. 
You might go, well, but I don't really like that. I'm looking forward to my promotion. God told me something good was going to happen in my life. And so now here I am. Nothing seems to be happening the way I want it to be. It's not going in the direction. I keep going down, down, down. Maybe my dreams weren't real. Folks, hold on to your dreams. And when I say hold on to your dreams, I don't mean the arbitrary fake Joel Olstein dreams where everything is going to be good and fine and it's all going to work out. No, I'm talking about the Bible where it says that all things work together for good to them that love God. That we are to uh, be working. It says, therefore, my beloved. It says, be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. Understanding the things that when God said my word goes forth, but it will accomplish that which it's sent out to do. You need to understand that he that began a good work in you will complete it. 13 years a slave, two years in prison, and it was from prison that God raised Joseph to the highest position of Egypt. His family, in fact, did bow to him, and in the end, he understood what they meant for evil against him. God meant for good. This is the story of also of the life of Jesus. Many of our promotions come to us in a very hard and lonely ways, but God keeps his word and he never forgets his children. As we come to Psalm 113, the few short verses, we will work our way through them very quickly here and you will see the same theme that you see in the life of Joseph and in the life of Christ and hopefully in your own life. One of the things to point out for those of you that want to study the Bible and to know it and to love it, is that this is the beginning of what is called the Halil. Say Halil. It's not really a word that you know, but Halil means praise. The Halil is from Psalm 113 to 118, and every Jewish person that lived could quote it. They would start quoting right here, and they would do this uh, at celebratory occasions in their life, and they would always do it at their pilgrim feasts. They would get together and they would start quoting Psalm 113. This is a, an important part of the Bible that was greatly emphasized by the children of Israel and was used to praise ye the Lord. Everybody say, praise ye the Lord. There is one other passage in the Bible, which is Psalm 136. It's also known in the Talmud as the great Halil, and we'll get to that later, but this is called the Halil. It is Psalm 113 through 118, these five psalms. Wouldn't it be great if we could, if we could do what they do, what the, what the children of Israel do? They say them all, and they say them all together. Praise ye the Lord, and we'll get into it. It's pretty awesome. Verse 1, praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. This song of praise that begins the Halil trumpets forth a trifold of perfect praise. Praise the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Can you hear the three praises? Three calls to praise. Three mentions of a Lord worthy of our praise. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord of the Lord. Could you imagine what it would be like if those were the words that came on your lips when something good happened in your life? Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. In verse 2, he says, Blessed be the name of the Lord 
for this time going forth and forevermore. Children, it is the name, his name, that is above all names that we sing forth in verse 1. And in the second time, again in verse 2. And you're going to find out again in verse 3. And there is a trifold, once again, doxology of praise. But Philippians chapter 2, which Benjamin read for us earlier, tells us, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. You guys, we don't often think of this being the demotion that it was. This was indeed a going down. He who was in heaven came down to earth and not only did he come down to earth, but he condescended to be a part of people that were not the most important people on the earth. They were a backwoods and they were a backroads. They've only become central in the place of the world because Jesus came there and he made it the center of the world, folks. Here he comes and he's not only just a man, but he's, he's a servant. And not only is he a servant, he becomes obedient, not only obedient, but it says, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. He didn't just die. He died the death of a guilty, convicted criminal. But you know what it says in verse 9? Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. You see, the promotion of Christ came through what appeared to be an incredible demotion. It was right at the point of his greatest promotion that he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Verse 9, but what happened? Had he forsaken him, kid? Nope. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As we read in Genesis earlier in our reading, it says, when they went around, every knee bowed to Joseph. He was living out the story that was coming in the life of Jesus. As we come to verse 3, we saw the Lord mentioned three times in verse 1. The call to praise him three times. And as we come to verse 3, we find another trifold doxology of praise in the name of the Lord. In the first three verses of the song, verse 1, praise the name of the Lord. Verse 2, blessed be the name of the Lord forevermore. And here in verse 3, from the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. We used to sing a song. And I wish we could sing it. Jonathan, I don't know. Jonathan, where's Jonathan at? Jonathan, can you give me a chord, opening chord on that song? It's a song right here from this psalm. And I know we have in uh, our past kind of beat up on folks who sing the same words over and over and over again. But I'll tell you, these are words that when I sing them over and over again, they make me feel like I'm lifting up the name of the Lord like I am. It says, from the rising of 
the sun to the going down of the same the name of the lord is to be praised oh praise ye the lord praise ye the lord from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same the name of the lord is to be praised so praise ye the lord praise ye the lord from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same the name of the lord is to be praised verse 4 says that the lord is high above all nations and his glory is above the heavens he who sits in the heaven laughing at those who think to exalt themselves above him. He who rides upon the clouds and always finds himself far above all powers that he has made. He is above the nations. He is above even the heavens itself and he cannot and he needs no promotion. He is the promoter. And everybody say it with me. Promotion is from the Lord. Psalm 75, verses 5 through says, And lift not up your horn on high, speak not with a stiff neck, for promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth one down, and he sets up another. We're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. We ought to esteem others higher than ourselves and not work to promote ourselves. Remember what Jesus said about the uppermost seats at the feasts. It is better to be asked to come up hither to sit in the better seats than to be asked to go down. Trust that God will put you where you should be and don't put yourself forward. The Bible promises that those that humble themselves that God will do what? He will exalt. Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you. As we come to verse 5, he asks this question which is a rhetorical question. I don't think anybody is going to try to answer it. Who is like our God? Who dwelleth on high? There is none like him. There is none to be compared to him. He is the king of glory, mighty in battle, Lord of hosts, Alpha, Omega, beginning and the ending, which is, which was, and which is to come. He is the almighty. He is at the very top of all heaps, and he helps those below him advance as it advances his glory. For folks, that is what he advances you for to show forth his glory. It says this in verse six about him. It says he humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven. 
and in the earth. Christ humbled himself and became despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, a convicted criminal whose body was mocked and misused. This was his pathway to promotion. He who his friends could not watch even one hour with, as he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood, agonizing of the descent further still into death. It was this pathway that led to his promotion and not his alone. It led to our promotion as well. He who was rich became poor that we might be rich. He who was God became a man and suffered so that we might be lifted up. As we come to verse 7, it says something that should give us all a great deal of hope today. He raiseth the poor out of the dust. He lifteth the needy out of the dunghill. Folks, you may not know it today, but we are the miserable, we are the blind, and we are the poor. We are the halt and the lame, not worthy even to enter into his temple. We are the deaf and even dead who could not hear to see to lift up our hands, even asking him for help. But while we were yet without strength, the Bible says he died for us. And because he cared not for the mire that soiled him, he pulled us up and out of it and he set us on the rock to stay. Promotion is from the Lord. We are the needy who were picking through the dunghill looking for something where there was nothing. And it was from there that love lifted us. Can we say thanks be to God? Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. As we get to verse 8, he says that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. You see, like the father of the story of the prodigal son, he saw us coming afar off. He could have seen us as Joseph's brother saw him afar off and prepared a pit for us and sold us for what little could be gotten for us. But no, he saw us and he grabbed his robe. He put it upon us. He gave a signet ring and he received us not as servants, not as slaves, but as son. He killed the fatted calf for us and he cries to us and he calls us into his fold as he did for Joseph's mother. And as he did for Hannah of old, as he did for the Shunammite woman, Sarah, and John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, do you know God's word says he will do for us? Because I love the next verse. He maketh a barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. And then it ends with praise ye the Lord. You know what I love about God and I talk about it a lot and I'm going to keep talking about it a lot and I'm going to keep telling us and reminding us because it is what the purpose of the church is. Jesus didn't come to save us just for heaven. He didn't come as just so heaven could be our home. He came so that we can take people with us. He came so that we can be a part of a kingdom so that we can redeem a lost world and we can see souls change for the life so that we can go into the home of alcoholics and drug addicts and broken homes and we can say, oh, you can have a better life than this. You can have a better life than this. You can have people who will love you. You can have people that you can trust. You can have people you can depend on. You don't have to live like this. You don't have to live where you're abused and where you're mistreated. You can come to a place where you can be loved. He not only saves us from poverty and the dust and the dunghill, he makes us alive and fruitful through us. He does in others what he has done in us. 
Isaiah 54, sing, O barren one that bearest not, break forth and cry. Aloud thou that did not travail with child, for many more are the children of the desolate than they which has a married wife, saith the Lord. You may not understand it, but you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You had no hope. You were as dead as Sarah's womb was. You were as barren as Elizabeth was. And every other one of these great patriarchs, mothers, you had the inability to do nothing. And God made you fruitful. And he's given you a womb that you can call people to. You can plant the seed of the word of God in their life and you can see it grow. Folks, these seats should be filled with people. They should be filled with people that you're meeting, that you're talking to. The Bible says one plants and one waters and God gives the increase. Where is your watering can today? Where are these people? Are they out there and they're sitting in their home and they're sitting there because you haven't come and talked to them and you haven't told them about the hope that lies within you? Are you going to live your life just hoping that the, the children born of your body are going to make it with you to heaven? Or are you going to, like this man that died the other day, he used to say, oh, what I want more than anything is I want to take somebody to heaven with me. He would, at restaurants and uh, everywhere he went, and when he would go to the store to buy supplies for his business, he would say, do you know anything about Jesus? Has he done anything in your life? And many times we're afraid even to tell them because we're afraid what they'll think of us. Folks, think more of what their life will be like if you don't. Think more of what their life will be if you don't tell them about hope. They think the world is all they see on TV. They think it's all they see on Netflix. They think it's all that's going on in the political world. They don't know that Jesus is a Savior and that he raises the poor out of the dust. He raises us out of the dunghill. And not only does he do that, he takes us barren people, us people with no hope, and he lets us keep house. And he lets us bear children. I'll tell you what, there is nothing like a life of bearing spiritual children to watch them come out of broken homes and messed up lives and see them father children and love them. Oh, what a great gift. Don't wait till you get to heaven to enjoy heaven. Enjoy it right now. Oh, Pastor Mark, you're all fired up. Well, you guys aren't so fired up. I don't really care how fired up you are. I'm fired up. I am believing God that we will see the lost, that we will see lives changed, that we will see stories detour from where they are. I see them sitting on their porches. I see them walking around the neighborhood. I see them walking around with no hope. And you know what I've got, Sister Jackie? I've got something to hope in. I've got something that's done something in my life. And I'm going to keep telling people about it. And if I got to drag them in here and teach Bible studies to them and teach eight times a week, that's what I want to do. I want to see people come to Christ. All power is given unto Jesus in heaven and earth. And he said, and for that reason, go live a good and interesting and happy life. Is that what he said? No, he said, go into all the world and preach the good news. Preach the gospel. Make disciples of the nation. Teach them everything that I taught you. You see, the only way to have life is to take the life that God has given you and keep giving it away. That's what giving is all about. We give away what he's given us to prove that it all comes from him anyway. And as we give it out, he keeps giving us more. Psalm 113 is a reminder that God takes us who could never bear and he makes us mothers that bear and that keep house. Folks, we want to be keeping house here. We want children to be born in the kingdom of God.
We're so happy that God's giving Caitlin another baby. And I want one day to be promoted to be a grandpa. But I'll tell you what, what I want to see more than that is I want to see you. I want to see Anna meeting somebody and telling them about Christ and bringing them from her work and sitting down with them and telling them about how God has given her a beautiful life and a mother and a father that love each other and brothers and sisters that want to honor God and she teaches them everything that she knows. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, until my children are reaching the lost and until my spiritual children are bringing the lost, I will feel very much so robbed. And I will wonder what in the world has God done as he taken off his hand from me? I feel like Rachel who cries out, give me children else I die. Hannah who cried and was thought to be a drunkard before Eli the priest. And he said, what's wrong with you? She's like, I don't have any children. But we don't even weep and we don't cry and we don't hope. We don't even wonder. We come week to week giving thanks that we're able to sit at our nice tables and play our games. God has called us to go forth in a dark world with the light of the gospel, to do good works, to testify of his goodness. Psalm 113, praise you the Lord. Oh, praise you the Lord, oh, you servants of the Lord. It is from the rising of the sun, it is the going down of the same that the name of the Lord shall be praised. We the outcast. Poverty-stricken Gentiles, without hope, a people who were not a people are now the people of God. We who were strangers and foreigners are now fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We, the bride of Christ, the second Eve, will fill the earth with the glory of God. We are becoming the joyful mother of the new earth, keeping house with the king of glory. Promotion is from the Lord, and I want to be promoted. I want to see children. I want to see spiritual grandchildren. I want to see these things, and I want to ask God to send them here. How many of you will join me in prayer that says, I want to see the lost? I want to see people's lives change. I want it to change my life because I'll tell you what, you want to raise godly children. You're not going to do it by teaching them uh, just normal lessons every week. They're going to see by what you do. Are you reaching your neighbors? Are you having them over for dinner? Are you telling them about your hope? Do you ever do that dad and mom? Well, no, you know, I really, I really wasn't that talkative. I really wasn't that outgoing. Really? That's what the message of the gospel is. We should go tell it. I want to be a gospel-centered church. I want us to be reaching, 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 reaching out. I'll tell you what, nobody ever grew anything who ever never planted. Nobody ever grew anything who never watered. And you might go, well, it's not going to do any good. Well, then you know better than God. And I'll tell you what, the dreams that God has given us and the promises of his word are yea and amen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how shall they hear except a preacher preach it? And how shall he preach unless he be sent? Folks, I am sending you today to be preachers of the gospel. And you will see people come to the knowledge of God and you will see them born in the Holy Spirit and it'll be part of your life. He's going to take you. You might say, I've never won a soul. Well, you're barren, but the Bible says he can, the barren one day can keep house. Let us pray.
Oh, Jesus, help us. Lord, we knew what it was to see spiritual children born in this church over and over and over again. They crowded in. We sang, we rejoiced, we heard their stories, their confessions, their repentance, their profession. We labored with them through their sanctification, through their difficulty, Lord. And somewhere along the line, we got very comfortable with just enjoying ourselves and we forgot about them. Oh, Lord God, help us today to reach the lost, to make it our passion, to be as those barren women of old who cried out, give me children, God. May we pray that, may be, that be on every prayer, every prayer that is led from this pulpit for this church. May it be, Lord, send us spiritual children. Lord, lead us to the lost. Lord, give us the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, in Ohio, in Pickway County, in Madison County, in every county around here. May we, everywhere we go, be heralds of this great message. And may we watch the word of God, the seed that goes forth, find itself lodging in good ground. And may it be growing up and may we reap a harvest. Oh, Lord God, please, Lord, lead us back to that. Let that be our identity and our message and not what it has become. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray your time with us was very encouraging. If it was, consider sending us a note and also consider partnering with us.